Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's OB's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. going on everyone welcome back to the posting up podcast here on clovercrest media i'm joined by king zay as always hopefully sean's gonna join us soon he's having some wi-fi trouble so sean if you can't join us we'll miss you but hopefully you can get in here soon talk some basketball so uh isaiah we'll waste no time here um into it. <laughs> yeah right so a team that we talked about uh earlier in the season as kind of you know we were asking questions should they blow it up you know, trade everyone away, set for the future, build for the future. But now Toronto, the Raptors, they've won four straight games. They're seven and three in their last ten games. Uh, you see this as a team that could give, uh, I mean, not really have championship aspirations, but maybe give give some teams that are higher up in the Eastern Conference some trouble here come playoff time. You know, it's funny. It's like every team that goes on a on a little run, we start wondering if they're the team to beat in the league. It's the greatest thing ever. I love this year. Um, I mean, I guess, but I, I mean, if, when you talk about the top teams in the league, when you talk about your Nets, your 76ers, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, those, those are loaded teams. And, yeah, they've been playing better as of lately. You know, Kyle Lowry and um, Fred Blanfita are probably one of the best backcourts in the NBA currently right now. And you talk about Fred's been playing up to that $85 million contract that he's been getting. You know, he's 15, top 15 in assists right now. He's one of the best pull-up artists in the game. So I, I think they could give a, a competition to the upper teams, but do I feel them see them as a real threat? Not really. When you talk about how loaded those teams are, and you talk about the Brooklyn Nets alone have three players who if one of them is, you know, if only one of them is playing, they could still probably make a deep run in the playoffs. So – I think they, like I said, I think they can give competition to any team, but as, as a real threat, I don't see the Raptors being a threat. Sean, you welcome, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I didn't hear what you fully said, but uh, there at the end, I think I agree with that. I think that you know, I don't, I wouldn't put them in the class with the Nets and the Sixers. I think uh, they're above and beyond everyone else in the East right now. But I would put them a tier uh, just below that with teams like the Celtics and the Bucks. Um, you know, obviously they've been playing really well lately, and I think people got to remember, you know, they. They're pretty much ha- – or every game this season is pretty much a road game for them. You know, they're in Tampa. They're away from their families in Toronto. So, it's – you know, they pretty much don't get a home game all year. And I think uh, that's part of the reason why they were struggling early on. 
Um, and I think they've been doing a lot better since then, uh, just getting adjusted to Tampa and, you know, life in Tampa, life away from Toronto. And then on top of that, um, you know, some of their star players like Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, they kind of started off the season pretty slow, but they've really picked it up recently, uh, especially in the last couple of games without Kyle Lowry. You know, he's been out for the past three or four games with a, a thumb injury. So they've really stepped it up. And then, uh, you know, they get con- contributions from their, their role players too, Norman Powell, you know, he's averaging 21 and a half points in the month of February. He's really stepped it up. Uh, OG Ananobi is an elite wing defender. And then uh, Chris Boucher, I, I think, is one of the most underrated big men in the entire league. Uh, he's a great rim protector. And, he, you know, he also knocks down 45% of his three-point shots. So he could stretch the floor uh, and, he, and he does it inside. So the role players are really starting to, you know, pick it up. And once they get Kyle Lowry back, I think they're, you know, just going to continue to keep pushing. So I think they're uh, right in the tier below uh, teams like the Nets and the Sixers. Yeah, so um, this is a Raptors team uh, that's snuck their way into fifth place in the East, and obviously standings right now, seeding wise, don't really mean much uh, come midseason. It really matters how you how you grind it down to the end of the season. But um, yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. I don't put them on the top level of Eastern Conference teams, but I I certainly can see the Raptors come playoff time maybe win a playoff series one against maybe a four or a five seed um and then giving in the second round one of the like one of those teams milwaukee brooklyn philadelphia giving one of them a hard time not necessarily winning the series but you know tiring them out for the next series and really having an impact on that team's performance throughout the entire playoffs that's that's kind of what you look for with these with these mid-tier teams for them to kind of just tire out the competition and make other teams' roads easier. So you, you just hope to be on the other end because I think Toronto is a team that we saw them kind of claw their way back into the series last season with uh, Boston and kind of make an impact. And a lot of people put put the strain that the Celtics took during that series. The the main reason the Celtics didn't advance to the finals last year uh, and, and suffered the loss to Miami. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think the Raptors are definitely heading in the right direction. Uh, with that being said, we'll get to our first game break of the day, get some games we're getting excited for because of this upcoming week. But first, we'll get a message from Clovercrest Media. When I was 12 years old, I became a Jack Nicholson superfan. This happened almost overnight on an evening in February 1997 when I first saw The Shining. Here's Johnny! In those 20-plus years, I never stopped being a Jack superfan. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Get ready for You Don't Know Jack, hosted by me. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. All right. Uh, so getting into our first game break of the day here, uh, you'll see at the bottom of the screen the nationally televised games for the week, but not necessarily... Um, limiting it to those uh isaiah why don't you hit me with the game you're looking forward to this upcoming week well blow your bubbles nothing special but actually tonight i'm actually looking forward to my knicks and the golden state warriors and not because of the matchup in particular but i'm willing to see how my team now reacts with an actual crowd i've I said it before in a, a, earlier in the season that i thought the knicks not having a crowd helped them become as good as they were because, you know, when you're losing, there's no crowd booing, there's no emotion from the crowd. You know, the players stayed more in the game. They've won a lot of games that I thought they were going to lose simply off the fact that I think they had no crowd. So I'm interested to see 
how teams now are going to start to react once they start filling these stadiums with crowds and it's no longer a bubble situation and will players start to step up. And we, like you said, if you look at a Miami Heat team, we a lot of us assume the players like Tyler Hero only played well because he was in a bubble. And now we're going to have crowds back in there. So we'll see how this goes. But I'm definitely interested in looking to see how my Knicks react with the crowd tonight. Sean, uh, what's a game you're looking forward to seeing in the association this week? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually tonight too. It's uh, 10 p.m. Uh, it's going to be the Wizards and the Clippers. Uh, you know, the Wizards they've won five straight. You know, they get the big win against the Lakers last night, and you know they've been beating some pretty good teams during this win streak. Um, I think you know Russell Westbrook, his three point attempts are down, and I think that helps the team tremendously. It's more more for him to go to more times for him to go to the rack and you know dish it out, and then obviously Bradley Beal, we all know, uh, probably the best scorer in the league right now. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And then the Clippers, you know, they just got Kawhi and Paul George back, so they'll be at full strength. So I think uh, it's going to be a lot of offense tonight, I'm sure of that, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, so which game would you pick, Lucas? Yeah, no, uh, let me say first that that was one of my picks uh, just in my head, but I, I didn't end up going with it. Um, I, I think the Wizards, it would be great to see if they can beat the two L.A. teams back-to-back nights um, after beating the Los Angeles Lakers in overtime last night. But my game coming up on Friday and I think it's at 10 p.m. is the Lakers versus the Trailblazers. Uh, obviously, Trailblazers are probably the most West Coast team in the league as, as far as uh, distance from here goes, or at least for me. Um, and, and I, you know, they play late. They play at 10, 1030, so I don't always get to stay up and watch a lot of their games. But it's a Friday night, so, you know, I'll be up watching that one. Uh, Portland, you know, they've looked excellent this year. Uh, Damian Lillard's averaging nearly 30 points and eight re- or eight assists per game. Uh, then you got guys like uh, Robert Covington being a stud on defense. He's averaging one and a half steals and one block. Uh, and as and as Canner, who who's also a great defender, pulls down some rebounds, can get you a couple buckets. And then role players like um, Gary Trent, and Carmelo Anthony, they can get your buckets too. I'm not sure. Do you guys know is CJ McCollum back playing yet, or is he still out? Oh, yeah, he's still out. He's still out. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's why I didn't bring up his name. Just wanted to make sure he was still not playing, or else I was going to give him his credit where it's due. It might be an Oregon uh, boom next time you see him. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, this Trailblazers team is exciting, and obviously we know the Lakers situation right now with injuries. Guys like obviously Anthony Davis, who's so important to that team, and Dennis Schroeder, who coming off the bench, whether it's coming off the bench or starting for the Lakers, he's been impactful this year. So this is these are one of those teams like we talked about last Saturday where, where teams need to start taking it. Uh, it's, it's an unfortunate situation for the Lakers, but other teams in the West need to start taking advantage of the Lakers being so so beaten, bruised, and injured so and move their way up the standings while they can while before before AD gets back and starts punishing teams. If he comes back, did they did they push their timeline back again, I believe, on him. And yeah, I, I know he I did. That earlier. It's a very tricky injury. Last time we saw this, it was Kevin Durant, and it turned into becoming an Achilles tear. So yeah, I'm they, just telling you. They brought <laughs> him back too early. Strain is, is, is a very scary thing because the Lakers lose him. They can kiss this season goodbye. There's no yeah, replacement. No. There's mm-hmm. no replacement Anthony Davis. I'm yeah. sorry. No, that's, that's he, Anthony Davis is not someone you can just go and hand pick a replacement for. Anthony Davis is certainly a, a special talent, some would argue top five talent in this league. So, mm-hmm. I, I think we've seen the already too. Just that I, they've been they've been struggling a lot. I think they've lost three straight and you know four out of their last five. And 
Well, I mean, initially when we, you know, we came on the episode and we said, do, did we think they were going to struggle? I said I didn't think they would because of the depth that they had. But, I mean, LeBron, I, they obviously have proved me wrong. They, you know, LeBron has to carry the show right now. And, uh, you know, Montrez has been giving them a little bit of help, but all the other role players really haven't done much. So they're definitely hurting without AD, and I think it's going to continue. Yeah, no, 100%. I, they are down bad without Anthony Davis, so I'll tell you that right now. Yes. Um, so next here I wanted to get into – kind of like a, a player who's been rumored to be shopped around the league uh, this season and someone who I actually don't think fits in the current system they're in and, and is, really doesn't have the opportunity to bring out the best of his abilities. That's Lonzo Ball with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I wanted to go around the go around the circle here, guys. Where can Lonzo fit in? Because it's, it's a pretty apparent that he doesn't fit in in New Orleans. So, Zaya, are you looking kind of kind of – Kind of confused right now. You think Lonzo can fit anywhere, or uh... um, I think we're starting to see that Lamelo might be the best ball, and I hate to say that, but uh, it's looking like it's the truth. I think I think Lonzo's best shot was in L.A., and when it didn't work out there, it just wasn't going to work out anywhere else. Like you said, the system isn't working for him, in New Orleans. There are plenty of teams that can use a point guard, but he's a very iffy shooter. Is uh, I just don't know where you could just fill him in and expect to become a contender, basically, or or at least compete in the playoffs. I just can't think of a spot. Maybe Sean can. He's way more. Than yeah, Sean, you got anywhere for Lonzo? You think he'd fit in better than New Orleans? Um, I think one team that should be looking to trade for him is uh, the Miami Heat. I think that they don't have a true point guard right now. Um, you know, Goran Dragic comes off the bench, and they've been playing Kendrick Nunn there the past couple of games. But I think Kendrick Nunn's more of a scoring two guard. I, I think he'll be better off the ball. But I, I think they need a true point guard, and, you know, Lonzo will help with defense. Uh, you know, he's one of the better defensive point guards in the league. Um, also, you know, Zay mentioned that his, his shot is kind of broke, but in the last couple of seasons, uh, it, it's it's been better. I, I, he's been improving his three point shot, and uh, you know we've seen it this year. So I think that you know I said with, iffy. I said iffy. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. His guy's point guard is his shot is broke. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, his, his shot's getting better though. And then uh, I mean, he's he's a great facilitator, so he'll be setting up guys like uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So I think that would be a good fit for them. I think Miami needs to do something at the trade deadline after you know making the finals last year. They obviously have been very upsetting this year. Um, and even with Jimmy Butler coming back from injury, you know, the first couple games were hot, but they they started to cool off a little bit now. So I think that's one team that uh, could look to trade for him because I do agree. I don't think Lonzo. Uh, his best fit in New Orleans. I, I think that, you know, they've been obviously been struggling this season. So I think that he will be on the move uh, by the trade deadline. I, I definitely won't be surprised. And I think Miami is a destination where I could see him uh, ending up. You think there's going to be trades? I think, I think Lonzo could get traded. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't see many trades. I, I just, just on my end, I don't see many trades happening this year. In, in the in league itself? Yeah. yeah, as far as the league goes. I don't, unless something booming happens. Right before trade deadline, I don't see much movement going on. Is there a reason for that, like COVID-wise, or you just think it's just everything's just kind of flowing steady? I just didn't. Th- I don't know. Maybe it's the way teams have been. You you hear a lot of speculation all year long, and nothing has happened. So I I just don't see anything just happening right before trade deadline. I don't see anything popping off. That's just the way I see it. I think teams are pretty set the way they are. And like you said, with COVID and all the moving around, it's probably making that a lot more difficult itself. But I don't know. Look, we've seen one trade this year, I believe. 
That's Knicks, true. I think the Knicks traded the Knicks getting Derrick Rose. Yeah. I think that was it. I don't. I don't think we've seen any other trades this year. Um. No one. If if Lonzo does get traded, uh, one place I could see him fitting in. Um. That James Harden. Oh, James trade, Harden. Yeah. About that. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> how can we forget about that one? How can we forget about that? Right. It's easy to forget. But it's sometimes. few. And, oh, but it's few and far is what I'm saying. It was two trades. There. Yeah. That definitely has been a lot. You know, somewhere I think Lonzo could fit in is one of the top teams in either conference. I have two teams here. I'm going to go one-on-one. Uh, one team in the East I think Lonzo could fit into that. You know, they're they're rated highly uh, top of the league. I think they're third in the league in pace, which is, you know, basically just how fast their offense moves. And that's Milwaukee. I think that, you know, Drew Blood – not Drew Blood, so um, Drew Holiday could uh, – could work, could work at the two guard. Uh, then you know that's pushing Divincenzo to the bench, but that's obviously just more depth for them. And I think Lonzo could set up the Greek freak with some pretty sick lobs. So I think Lonzo could fit in in the um, in the Milwaukee system somewhere else. I think he could fit. Who's also second in the league in pace is the Los Angeles Clippers. I think he, I was thinking that too. They, they they need a true point guard. He's not. And like we say, uh, Steve was on the show a couple weeks ago, and he said that the Clippers were a team who needed a new point guard because Patrick Beverly just isn't that big of an offensive threat. And I'm not by no means am I saying Lonzo Ball is is a serious offensive threat, but he's more of an offensive threat than than Patrick Beverly is. And while the defense might not be there for Lonzo, uh, the playmaking sure is better, and the scoring is better as well. So I think the the Clippers is somewhere that Lonzo certainly uh, can find a home. Uh, so with that being said, we'll get to our second game break of the day, break down some things going on across the league, but another message from Clovercrest Media first. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of baseball with the Bard. All right, so some things going on across the league. This is probably one of the biggest ones that I've seen. The Rockets are going to or have already. I'm not sure if they have, but mm-hmm. DeMarcus Cousins' time in Houston is over. Um, Sean, we'll go to you first. What's a team that could use DeMarcus Cousins? Because obviously he's going to be chasing me. We're talking before the show, and he said DeMarcus Cousins is certainly going to be ring chasing. So what's a team that you think could actually use DeMarcus Cousins where he can play a, a significant role in a championship run? Um, I think the Celtics are one team. Um, I, I've been saying this a lot all year that they need a big man, and we've been saying it on the show. It's been a recurring topic, but I, they need a dominant big man down there. And obviously, Demarcus Cousins isn't the, Mar- the Demarcus Cousins that he was in Sacramento, or you know, even early on in Golden State before he or, or in New Orleans um, before the injuries. But I, I think that you know he is a good presence down there. I think he he gives you uh, you know. Uh, a lot more scoring than Daniel Tice or, you know, Tristan Thompson would down there. And, um, you know, he might not be great defensively, but, he, you know, he could set up uh, – he is a good playmaker too. He's one of the better passing big men in the league. So he could set up plays for uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, obviously help that offense a lot. So I think that's one place that makes sense. And obviously after being waived and after a couple cheap deals, I, I think that it won't take a lot of money to go get him. So um, I, I think that that's one place that makes a lot of sense. But another team I was thinking of is obviously he got – 
away from them last year. The Lakers, though, I think that um, I was hearing it on the broadcast last night uh, watching the Wizards-Lakers game, but they brought up how they're missing Javal McGee and Dwight Howard, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I think that they need that big man, especially with Anthony Davis being out. So I'm not sure the Lakers would look to do that because obviously, you know, they had him last season and, and waived them the same deal. But I think that it's 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 a place that makes sense, especially with AD being out. Isaiah, where you where you got uh, Demarcus Cousins going, making an impact? Well, I had the Celtics for whatever reason. <laughs> But you know what? Actually, when I think about it, long term, my Knicks could actually use him just for a quick filling. You know, Mitchell Robinson's out, you know, broken hand. He'll be back within probably another three, four weeks. But I don't think there's any, you know, any like any type of risk in tape signing him. You sign him. If it doesn't work out, you cut him. You get Robinson back. And if it does work out, you continue to keep pace in the East, which is all separated right now by one game. You talk about one game separates the Knicks from seventh to fifth place or fourth place. So I think if you get a guy like Demarcus Cousins who can come in and and give um a breather to um Noel and then then you can you know you maybe keep pace in the East but I I don't see him you know like I said uh, uh, other than the Celtics I didn't really see a spot for him going. No, yeah, I agree with that. Um, uh, you know, I think he could be useful on any team he goes to. It doesn't have to be a championship contender, but knowing Demarcus Cousins, I think um. The, the Suns actually is an interesting one because obviously they have uh, DeAndre Ayton uh, starting there so he could come off the bench. But I was doing a lot of thinking before the show, and then it came to me. I was like, oh, man, you know, the, the Nets, they're looking for a center. Why doesn't he go there? That would be a perfect fit, blah, 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 blah. And then it, it just came to me, and I was like, ah, DeMarcus Cousins was one, of the, was one of the big guys who spoke out against James Harden uh, in – the whole Houston situation. So yeah. I don't think that th- it, that would work out in any sense locker room wise, or I don't even know if that's a destination that DeMarcus cousins would be willing to go to at this point to given he three months ago, not even was bashing James Harden on live TV. So I like, uh, I'm going to go with Sean here. I like the Celtics. I mean, it just makes too much sense for them not to go after a guy like DeMarcus cousins. I mean, you, you mentioned it, Sean, they just need a big man. I mean, obviously, defensively, you said he's not that great, but the dude still just needs to go out there and be a presence. I mean, you, you one picture I always think of when um thinking of DeMarcus Cousins' presence in the paint is that picture where Carl Anthony Towns is backing him down and DeMarcus Cousins just like mm-hmm. bodying him up and Carl Anthony Towns is making that face like, eh, like he's like crying. So I think, I think just looking at that picture, Danny Ainge should – put a piece of paper and a pen in front of Demarcus Cousins and get him signed onto the roster. So um, another interesting thing I saw here, uh, Pau Gasol is going to resume his playing career in Spain. Uh, nothing much to say on that, but I think that's pretty cool. He's going to go back to Barcelona where he started his professional basketball career. Uh, obviously, he's not as athletic. I don't even know if he ever was that athletic, but he could be an impact player, an impact veteran on a, on a team that, might need it. I don't pay too much attention to the Spain basketball league, but um, someone who else is coming close to returning to basketball, and that's James Wiseman. His wrist injury is near healed, and he should be coming back within the next week or two to the Golden State Warriors. And I then, I want... hopefully for tonight. Oh, he's is he questionable for tonight? I believe so. I believe the other night they said he was doubtful for tonight. So, 
Interesting. So we'll see how that works out. Um, they said he's expected back tonight. Okay. So obviously, if he's not, it doesn't end up coming back. He's closer than I thought he was. So that is a good sign for the Golden State Warriors. And then something I wanted to get your guys' opinion on was comments were made last night by LeBron James after their overtime loss to the uh, Washington Wizards. Or the peak, he he kind of got got upset at reporters for asking him if he's tired, if he needs a rest. And he brought up the fact that he thought he needed rest before the season started because of the short turnaround. But uh, right now he feels fine, and he, he he wants the questions about if he's tired and if he needs a rest to stop. Isaiah, uh, LeBron logged 43 minutes last night. How much longer can he keep this up carrying this Lakers team before something bad happens like we saw with Kobe Bryant in 2014 when he tore his Achilles? Oh, he can't, he can't keep it up right now. And if Anthony Davis doesn't come – Back anytime soon, that team is absolutely going to continue to drop. I, I love LeBron. He's one of the greatest players I've ever watched play the game. But he's at an age right now where he can't do it by himself and he doesn't have the talent around him to get it done. And it's it's just going to be like two years ago when he didn't have AD before and they completely missed the playoffs when he was, I believe he was, he was injured and he missed a couple of games that year also. But it's going to be a similar situation where LeBron alone isn't going to be enough to get that team into the playoffs. I mean, he probably does need some rest. He's old. I'm sorry to say it. He's look. He's old. Thirty six. Yeah, Thirty six <laughs> years old is not young in the, any sport whatsoever. Maybe if you're a kicker in the NFL, but that's about it. Um, Sean, what's your thoughts on the whole situation here with LeBron James? I well, I think that um, I think that the minutes are definitely high for him. Um, but I it. it it's LeBron James. He's a different animal. Uh, I, he hasn't showed any signs of slowing down, and it's not like he has an injury history in his past. So I don't really think it's too much of a concern. Um, obviously, you know, he played 43 minutes last night, and but it's a game that went to overtime. And without all those minutes, the Lakers would be get, getting beat by even much, much, much worse. I mean, obviously, the role players around them, if LeBron's only playing 30 minutes a night, they uh, they would have no chance, especially without AD. So I think that, you know, that that's the only chance that they have in these games is, is playing LeBron those minutes. And I think that LeBron can take it. I, he's one of the best athletes that we've ever watched. I, I think that, you know, his minutes have been up there before. And even though the age is getting up there, um, I, I, he hasn't showed any signs of slowing down. So I, I think that, you know, the – what is, He you hasn't? Know, no. He hasn't? He doesn't no. run down block anymore. He doesn't play a full defense like he used yes. to. He's not as aggressive on defense as he has. Offensively, he's not the yes, same. He, he turns he turns it on when he wants to. Not the, we even LeBron has said himself that he doesn't even take the regular season seriously no more. He stores all that energy yeah. so he can get in the playoffs. He doesn't have the energy no more. He's slowing down, bro. He doesn't. I, put, I don't. Doesn't I don't know what Lakers games you're watching, but I don't see any signs of slowing down at all. The the, the athletic ability looks like the same as it was ten years ago. Yeah, you watched him against Kevin Durant in the in the finals a couple years ago, and you could see his game was completely slower than it was. Even even before it, it can continue to slow. He's not the same person he was on my, when he was on Cleveland. He's not the same play he was when, from Cleveland when he was on Miami. It's not the same thing. I, it's LeBron, a different. It's a different style of play, but the athleticism is still there, hundred percent. I, I don't. Athleticism is still there. You can't take that away, but the fear is gone. That fear is gone. Players I, do not fear the rundown LeBron no more. It's not there no more. I'm sorry. I, He's. I, 
I beg to differ, but I, I mean, I, I agree that in the in the regular season, the defense is definitely not as great as it is in the postseason. But every postseason LeBron is in, he shows that he could take it to that next level. I mean, last year he was dominant defensively in the playoffs, uh, and he knows when to turn it on. But that signs of slowing down is what I'm saying. LeBron I, I, always play hard. Oh, yeah, he pushes teammates to play defense. 20, 48 minutes, go hard. Now he doesn't even do it himself. I, I agree. Slowing down. I agree that like he's preserving himself a little bit more than he has in the past because he knows he's getting older. But I don't think it's any signs of slowing down. I, when he wants to turn it on, he could do it. Okay. That's... No, I'm not. Gonna, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I guess. Yeah, I'm, we, we agree to disagree. preserving energy. I call it slowing down. I, I mean, I, I, all right. I get your point, but I, I just, uh, I, I just don't think that there's been any signs of slowing down. And he's, he's a different animal. I just think that the minutes are, are not really going to slow him down that much. And I, I think that he'll be fine. If AD is out for a long period of time and he re-injures the Achilles, then sure, I, I think that you know it's, it's definitely going to be a worry. But if it's only for the next couple of weeks, I, I'm not too worried. All right, <laughs> that was very entertaining for me to watch. Um, <laughs> I kind of I kind of agree with little parts of what both you guys said. I, I agree, Isaiah, with what you said about you know if Anthony Davis can't return to this team for uh, any, any time in the foreseeable future, that this Lakers team is just going to continue to drop down the standings, and and that that's just uh, a question of their depth. Uh, like Sean said, he he thought they they were deep enough to continue their high level of play without Anthony Davis, but it's been evident lately that they're not. Uh, but I also agree with Sean that um, LeBron kind of reserves his energy for the postseason. And, and, but I do see it from Isaiah's point of view, how, you know, the old LeBron, it was, it was 100, 110%, 24, seven all throughout the regular and postseason. And now, you know, age is showing a little bit. So he has to, he has to kind of reserve himself for, for times that are more important. And obviously that's, that's the postseason. So, um, with that being said, people are talking about, yeah, no, a lot of people are talking about, um, awards. So I wanted to get, this is kind of the middle of the season right now. We're about to go on all-star break in a few weeks. So what a better, I figured what a better time than to do our mid season awards. We've talked a lot about MVP. You guys want to do MV? I didn't include MVP, but do you guys want to do MVP? I would, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's Joel right now, but uh, that's that's who I would go with. Let's go with midseason MVP. All right, Sean, give me more on Joel. Why you got him at your MVP? Uh, I well, I mean, he's he's completely dominant. We talked about it last show, but I mean, with the three point attempts down, he's uh, you know, he's getting it done in the paint more than he ever has in his career, and also from the three point line with the you know his attempts being down, he's he's hitting them at a career high. So, uh, and and you know, scoring thirty points is a game. 30, 30 points a game is a big man in today's league. I mean, that that's tough to do. Obviously, the big man is, is kind of going away in today's NBA, but he's showing that, you know, there's there's still the few dominant uh, players out there. And obviously, the Sixers, they've been upsetting the past couple of years. You know, they, they have a lot of talent with Simmons and Embiid, but, you know, they haven't really pushed it as far in the playoffs. And, you know, the, their seeding hasn't been that great, but he has them as the number one seed right now. Um, and, you know, he's being dominant on the offensive side of the floor. And then on top of that, the defensive side of the floor. I mean, he's still one of the better rim protectors. He's one of the more athletic big men. Um, you know, he'll get some, he'll get you some steals, too. So I think that he does it at both ends of the floor. Uh, he's been completely dominant this this year. I think, you know, 
probably other than Shaq or maybe Magic Dwight Howard, this is uh, you know, one of the more dominant. I'm not, I don't, I don't think he's at Shaq's level, but I'm saying since Shaq, um, other than maybe Magic Dwight Howard, this is one of the most dominant big men that we've seen, and uh, he's having a tremendous year. He's have he has the Sixers at the top of the East, so I think that he deserves a nod. Isaiah, midseason MVP, who you got? Is that a question? My man, Randy. Like, that's not even a question. Yes. And I say, I think a lot of people take it out of context. Julius Randle is playing really, really great this year. You're talking about their games where he dropped. I think the other night he had 44 points to help yep. the Knicks get a win, to secure that win. He's been doing 30, 40, night in and night out for this Knicks team since the season started. He was written off a while ago. Nobody wanted him a couple of years ago. The Knicks were the only team to sign him as a free agent because a lot of teams didn't think he would turn out to be who he is. He looks like the second coming of Earl of Pearl. Like, he is amazing. I'm not even kidding you. And I believe the MVP, it doesn't have to necessarily be the biggest name in the league. I believe the MVP award means the person who's most valuable to that team. And if you take Julius Randle right now and you put him off that team, that is not the same Knicks team. So for me, he's my midseason MVP. I don't know about full season, but right now, midseason, he's my midseason MVP. Yeah, I... I I, I can't agree with that, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, have to. He's got the best. De- they got the best defense in the league. One of the best defense in the league. That's he, true. He's leading, the right that. he's leading in the assists. He's leading in points. What do you want him to do? What more? That, what more does the play have to do? I'm sorry, Lucas. Before you get no, more, you're, good. you're good. You're good. What more um, does he do? I. I, I think the Knicks team success just has to be better, but I don't, I don't hate that argument at all. He's definitely one of the most valuable players to his own team in the league. And I, I agree with your statement. If you take them off that team, they're definitely nowhere near where they are. So I, I don't, I don't hate that pick. It's just usually, uh, I mean, the MVP gets picked, uh, if, you know, if only if they're like a one through six seed, but I, I, I get what you're saying though. And I think that's part of the issue with the award. <laughs> when, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. You're right. You're right. Um, that certainly what Sean just said is a hundred percent correct, but um, I'm going to have to go and agree with Sean that Joel Embiid is the MVP all bias aside. If I was a, if I, as hard as that is to believe. <laughs> um, I mean, Jace is right. Uh, the Embiid could be the key to the Sixers taking the Eastern conference. Um, obviously there's a lot of teams towards the top that have, trouble uh defending the big man i mean he's had two ginormous games against the celtics this year so they better pray we don't meet them in the playoffs unless they get sign a big man um because joel joel Embiid has torn them apart this year so I, I think we're better defensively this year than we were last year too i know we were swept by them but um i i just think joel Embiid has has Brought endless value to the 76ers. I do I do agree with the point that Isaiah made that, you know, the 76ers would probably still be a, a halfway decent team without Embiid, but um, the Knicks without Randall would be a train wreck. So I respect Isaiah's pick, but I'm going with that. I'm going with Joel Embiid here at the midseason. Um, next award I wanted to do was – what's up? What's up? I just want to say one. Can we just acknowledge the fact that the Celtics in the heat aren't the Celtics in the heat of the past? They're not a threat. The only team you really need to be worried about right now is Brooklyn in the East. I'm sorry to say it. And I think y'all are going to need a big uh, – y'all going to need a shooter before y'all can beat the Nets, even with the way your big man dominates in the paint. Because you, when you have those three guys that can score like that and get to the foul line just from someone breathing on them, absolutely a threat. They are the team. I, um, I think I've been, I've been a huge supporter 
ever since the news came out that they were shopping him that the Sixers need to make JJ Redick a priority. So I, I think that, that that needs to happen as soon as possible. Um but I, I was upset when they let him walk in the first place. So I, JJ Redick needs to be back on Philadelphia. Um so getting on to our next award here, we'll do sixth man of the year. There's a pretty obvious choice. Sean, I'm gonna go to you first. Uh, but hopefully we can scramble some names together, make it a little bit interesting. Sean, who you got six in the year? Yeah, um, I mean the, the favorite is definitely Jordan Clarkson. Uh, that's who I would go with right now. But I, to, I mean, I'll make an argument for another guy. I mentioned him before when we were talking about the Raptors, but I, I think it's, it's Chris Boucher. Um, I, uh, I think that you know he's been tremendous off the bench for them this year. He's got a career high in minutes. He's playing 23 minutes a game, and he, and he's also giving you a 13 and seven off the bench. So. I think that, you know, the Raptors, a lot of Raptors success, uh, especially with the win streak going on, has been attributed to Chris Boucher. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, he's he's great rim protector. Uh, he gets it done in the paint, but he's also he also could stretch it out with the three-pointer. Uh, I think that, you know, he's just a very unique player. Um, I think he's one of the more underrated big men. So uh, I think that, you know, obviously Jordan Clarkson, I, I think, would probably be the runaway favorite. But I, I think that Chris Boucher is, is a name that uh, should get some recognition. Well, what about you, Zay? Well, it's obviously Jordan Clarkson. You know, he's playing on one of the best teams in the league right now. He's coming off the bench and what he's got to do there. But like you said, Chris Boucher and Eric, um, excuse me, Eric Gordon are two players who can definitely be up there on the list of players who are coming off the bench playing really well. But for me, it, it's Jordan Clarkson by a mile. Uh, to make Jace happy, <laughs> him and his dad, <laughs> it irritates me to say it. But, yeah, he's definitely um, my sixth man. Uh, who you got? Uh... Yeah. Um, so let's just pretend – Jordan Clarkson retires and he's out the league. All right. Um, and Isaiah, I know, I know last round you laughed when I said no bias involved, but this is 100% biased of me. I, I'll admit that right now. Give Mr. Shake Milton six man of the year. <laughs> we're playing biased to give me a manual quickly. What are we doing? What are we doing? Dude's averaging uh, 40, 40 points a game. Could you imagine? 14 mm. points a game. Shooting forty-four percent from the field, a uh, little low, around thirty percent from three. Um, but he's been effective off the bench for the Sixers. I mean, uh, that's that was one of our problems last season was the bench depth, and he kind of rose to rose to his role last season uh, towards the end of the year, and uh, he's he's kind of stepped right back into that role and, and filled it magnificently. So he'll definitely be the team sixth man of the year. But let's let's say Jordan Clarkson is out of the league by the time the awards come out. Let's let's get Shake Milton in the running for that. Um, <laughs> let's get let's get on to uh, we'll go to another mid mid major award. We'll go most improved player. Sean, who you got most improved? Uh, the guy that I have, I'm sure that is, uh, Zay is going to bring up. So I, I'll, I'll let him talk about him. But uh, the the other guy that I had up there is Jeremy Grant for the Pistons. Um, you know, the, obviously they've been terrible this year, but you know he's he's having a career high year in every statistic. You know, he's averaging 23 and a half points per game with you know five rebounds and three assists. So you know the Pistons have been terrible, but obviously you know he's I think he's reached his full potential. Obviously uh, he was kind of stashed away in the bench uh, for the. For the Thunder and the Nuggets, you know, he, he wasn't the number one or even number two option on those teams. So I think he's finally getting that chance to, to prove himself. And uh, I, I think, you know, if Detroit could ever get some talent in that city, um, ever get a good team, I, I think that, uh, you know, that he'll be a good player to build around because, uh, like, like just Jay said, he, he's, he's a very solid option, but not just on the offense side of the floor, but the defense side of the floor. He, he's super long. 
Uh, you know, he could probably defend one through five with his versatility. So I think that, you know, he's a great player that uh, should definitely get some recognition here. So I think that he'll be definitely right up there uh, in the votes when the, when it comes around. But uh, who do you guys say? I'm sure I can guess this one. But You want to say it for me? <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a more serious pick, though. I would put him, though, as, as a long-term season pick. I do pick Julius Randle for this, uh, this part because I do believe he is the most improved on the team not only in the league, but I do believe he's the most improved on the team. But I also believe that, that this team isn't a number one well, – I don't want to say number one, but top three defensive team because, you know, the numbers change every night. Top three defensive team in the league without him. He's been the anchor on defense. He's been the anchor on offense. He's been everything that team has needed him to be. And a team that was supposed to be written off after we traded Christos Porzingis, who was supposed to be – what he was basically supposed to be for us. And he has an absolute, uh, has done absolutely nothing since he's been traded to the Mavs. So who not to mention is being shopped right now. And there's that yeah. too, being shopped around. So yeah, for me, it's Julius Randle stepping up and being the guy this year. Yeah, no, those are, those are two great picks, but um, someone who's really stood out to me uh, both on the court and on my, on my fantasy team <laughs> has been uh Mr. Christian Wood of the Houston Rockets. Obviously, the Rockets, um, without Christian Wood, are a train wreck. They've lost eight straight games. Um, they haven't looked good at all. And they were a team we were talking about after dumping James Harden. Kind of, kind of, we thought could sneak into the playoffs and you know, you know, win a couple playoff games. But um, that went fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that went very fast. Chris, Christian Wood's a guy. He's averaging twenty-two a game. Um, obviously he's injured right now. He's pulling down 10 boards. He's shooting 55% from the field and 42 from three. Uh, he could work on his free throws, but you know, that's not ultimately important in a big man. Um, but yeah, Christian Wood, obviously when he was playing, he, he, he was taking this, this Rockets team to whole nother levels after James Harden left. And even when Harden was there, he was still playing out of his mind. So, uh, most improved for me has to go to, um, has to go to Christian Wood, although, yeah, no, JC's right. Christian Wood was a reason that the Rockets were so so um non-reluctant to let DeMarcus Cousins just walk. And um but I think we all make great picks for that one. I think any of those guys have a fair chance at winning the award. Uh let's go to we'll do rookie of the year before defensive player of the year. So Sean, who you got running the rookie of the year this season? Oh uh, yeah, I gotta go with LaMelo Ball. Um obviously you know, he's been great so far. Uh, the Hornets are actually, you know, they're a lot of fun to watch this year, you know, especially offensively with the way that, you know, the guys around him have been playing better too. But he brings the intensity to that team. Uh, he's a tremendous passer. You know, he gives you some boards as a bigger guard. And then, you know, he can score the ball too. Um, to start the year, he was – uh, you know, he started off the year a little bit slow shooting the ball, but it, his percentages has got have gotten a lot better uh, as the season has went on. So I think, you know, as the season goes on, he'll, the three-point will climb even higher. Uh, I think that, you know, he's he's one of the best playmakers in the league, and I think that, you know, he, he's definitely going to be the favorite for the rookie of the year. I think that within a couple of years, he'll be one of the better point guards in the game. I, I just think that, you know, he's super young right now, but he's only going to get better. And uh, like Zay said earlier in the show, I think he's already better than his brother, uh, Lonzo. So I think he's going to continue that. But the Hornets, you know, they're, they're a team to watch out for. They're a lot of fun to watch. And it's because of, you know, LaMelo Ball and the energy that he's brought to that team. Uh, so who do you got your free rookie of the year, Zay? Shockingly, it's LaMelo Ball. I had him too. I think uh, Tyrese uh, Halliburton is playing really well. But again, yeah. sucks that he's on a losing team. And Anthony Edwards, I don't think is living up to his number one pick mark i believe the last couple of games he was i believe he shot 
three for 17 against my Knicks and in the, uh, three for 11 or something the other day and three for 17 the game before that. He's a good highlight show, but he hasn't been really putting it in as a rookie for me, um, putting up the numbers, putting up the stats, grabbing the rebounds. But like like Sean said, it's definitely LaMelo. He's made that team very interesting, very fun to watch, throwing up the alleys. I enjoy making the highlight reels with him in it. He's probably the rookie of the year. I only say probably because you never know. Maybe my Knicks move quickly off the bench. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's my pick. No, I mean this is this is one of those awards that I think right now it's it's like Isaiah said earlier about Jordan Clarkson. It's a mile away from from being a, a contest. Uh, <clears throat> one person who I think could could possibly contend for that. Uh, oops, bang! And he comes back and uh, plays very well. Is James Wiseman? Uh, I think he he has the talent defensively and offensively to challenge a guy like Ball for that award, but. Obviously, he's injured right now. Uh, Isaiah said he's he's coming back tonight, hopefully. But um, yeah, right now, I don't, even, <laughs> right, I don't even think it's close right now between uh, LaMelo Ball and the field. So I'll take LaMelo Ball as well. Uh, two more awards here to go. We'll go Defensive Player of the Year. Sean, give me your pick. Yeah, this one was really tough for me. I was going back and forth between two guys, but the guy I ended up picking was uh, Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. Um, you know, he's averaging three and a half blocks right now, which is, uh, I mean, a tremendous number. And he's also giving you over a steal a game. And uh, Indiana, they're not, uh, you know, an elite defensive team, but, uh, you know, they're in the top 15. They're in the, you know, the top half of the league. So I think that, and without him, I think that they would definitely be a lot worse. So I think that, you know, he's the anchor for that defense. Uh, he's a premier shot blocker in the game right now. And, you know, he's also he's also super athletic. So, you know, he can come out and, you know, on pick and rolls, you know, he can he can uh, at least hang with the guards, the point guards, the shifty guards like that. So I think that, you know, he gives you a lot of versatility. He's got the athleticism and he gives you a lot defensively. So um, I'm sure someone will mention the other name that I uh, that I was thinking about. But Miles Turner would be my defensive player of the year right now. Uh, how about you, Zay? <laughs> actually, I, um, this is actually one of those positions, one of those. I didn't have one yet. I haven't picked the defensive player of the year. Um, I honestly haven't been really looking at that stat for the most part. I've been really doing most of our offensive um, – doing, doing, watching off to the offensive stuff for our highlight reels, so I haven't really got a chance to pay attention to the defensive end of things. Um, couldn't even tell you who I would probably pick. I, I couldn't tell you off that, honestly. I haven't pay attention enough defensively to tell you guys right now. I'll ask I'll ask you this then. Um Sean's pick of Miles Turner, do you think, you know, those those stats three and a half blocks and a steal and a half, does that jump out at you? Does that does Miles Turner seem worthy of it? Not when you got a guy like Mitchell Robinson. No. <laughs> um yeah he, he definitely does. Um obviously when you've seen players who won it before Rudy Gobert or um excuse me uh um Giannis they weren't putting up the sorry they weren't putting up the greatest numbers, but you know, uh, they put up numbers defensively that helped out. So, um, obviously, like I said, I haven't, I don't have a pick for this spot. I'm guys gonna have to go past me on this one. I haven't had picked for this one yet. No, that's all right. Um, so bringing back Jace's little comment down there, Rudy, I got Rudy Gobert running my um defensive player of the year spot so far. I mean, the dude is a rebounding machine. He's pulling down. Nearly uh, 13 and a half rebounds this season. He's averaging nearly three blocks, which is which is crazy. Uh, he's not so much of a threat stealing-wise, but that doesn't really matter. Um, another thing that's not on the stat sheet is just Rudy Gobert's impact. You know, 
when he's contesting a shot even uh he he alters shots without getting the blocks and stuff like that so i I think rudy gobert this season would be defensive player of the year keep in mind if he keeps up his stuff going but miles turner is also very respectable name on that list i think he can also be in contention for winning this award uh and finally the I was just going to say the other name I was thinking of was Ben Simmons. I'm surprised uh, you didn't say him. But uh, yeah, you know Ben's Ben's been a monster this year defensively, and I, I think he'd be definitely in that third spot right now for me. But yeah. I, I think right now it's a it's a race between uh, Gobert and Turner. Yeah, and I think you know Ben Simmons' numbers aren't like tremendous right now. It's it's right under two steals per game and right under a block per game. But he goes out every night and guards the other team's uh, best player. It doesn't matter if if what position he is really. He can guard point guards through centers, uh, obviously with his size and athleticism. So I think some most of it doesn't show up in the numbers. But night in and night out, he's defending their best player, and I, I think that's why his offensive uh, production might have dipped a little bit. But he's he's starting to get more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. And he always brings it on defense. So I, I think that he'll he'll definitely be within the top three in voting, I think. You, you yeah, know, oh. Go ahead, Zay. No, yeah, I was going to say, Sean, when Sean was saying it too, when you look at some of these numbers, I'm just looking at some of them. These aren't like eye-popping defensive numbers. Then the guys aren't – there's no one averaging like six, seven blocks or something like that. These are – like I said, I even when I look up the top – when you look at some of the top numbers, you're talking about one steal, one half steals per game. You, you These aren't eye – you know, boggling numbers, but they're what the league is right now. And I think that might be due to the league, how it is right now. It's just. No. Yeah. You, you, you're yeah. right. Um, and, and I think Sean definitely, uh, Ben Simmons is an all first team defensive player, no matter what this season. Uh, but it would be nice to see him in contention for that award. I'd, I'd love to see that for him. I think that'd be a great confidence boost for him. Um, and our last award here. Probably maybe the trickiest one to do a midseason award for, but uh, we'll do our final award is Coach of the Year. Sean, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Monty Williams from the Phoenix Suns. Um, I think that, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, Zay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, I mean, that the, the culture in that team has uh, changed around, especially, you know, Phoenix Suns have been the laughing stock of the NBA through most of the 2010s. You know, they were, they were terrible. They kept getting, you know, super high draft picks. And I think it's, it's starting to finally turn around for them. Uh, you know, obviously, obviously he has talent to work with, but I, I think that, you know, a bunch of the players have super high praise for him. The, everyone that speaks uh, about Monty Williams speaks super highly about him. So I, you know, I think that he's a great coach and he's, he's a great offensive mind. Uh, whenever I watch that team, you know, they always have great sets, uh, you know, to get their best players open, get shots for Devin Booker, you know, create uh, opportunities for DeAndre Ayton in the paint. So and and that starts with Monty Williams and uh, like I said, a lot of people speak super highly of him. And right now, you know, they're they're a serious threat in the West, um, especially uh, if AD is, is hurt. You know, going forward, I think that it's anyone's ball game really at the top there of the West. So I think that the Suns, you know, could contend. And they've been super hot lately. Uh, they just beat the crap out of the Blazers last night. So and uh, I think they've won three straight in the in the past like ten games. I'm pretty sure they're not they're nine and one or eight and two. So they've been super hot, and I think it all starts with the coaching staff. So I think Monty Williams, um, as of right now, I, I would put him number one. But uh, who do you guys say? Oh, I had Monty Williams. Like you said, the Suns winner of the last three out of four, only losing to the Nets in the last uh, couple of games. Mm. I think it was their fourth, their first of the uh, four games. But, um, yeah, it's definitely the Phoenix Suns. I haven't wanted to watch the Phoenix Suns since Steve Nash, Mari Stoudemire, and Sean Marion days. You know what I'm saying? Now they actually make you want to go back there and watch them and pay attention to this team. 
So obviously, with everything Sean covered, I'll just keep it short and quick. It's uh, Monty Williams for me. It's definitely the Suns. So um, we're talking about MVP earlier, and uh, there was a there was a pick that two of us made was the same pick, uh, and and this guy I think is the most responsible, or a lot of people are saying is the most responsible for the uh, turning on the switch of Joel Embiid, and that's Mister Doc Rivers. I think that he's taken over a Sixers team that had struggled to find an identity in the past. And, you know, look at him through 31 games. They're sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference. And, you know, that speaks that speaks volumes because Brett Brown had been there for years and years and years and years. And he kind of just never found that identity for this team. And they're, they're sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference right now. And that's all I have to say about that. Doc Rivers, give me coach of the year for the midseason, midseason awards here. I think there's um, a lot of picks for that. There's a lot of picks you can go. There's a lot you could go with that because obviously the Suns are playing. I mean, not the uh, 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 the Kings are playing well. The Knicks are playing well. You could you could throw um Tom Thibodeau in there. Honestly, he's been coaching yeah. extremely well this year. There's a there's a ton of teams you could have picked, obviously, but I think we picked the top runners. Yeah, uh, no, I think um certainly it'll come into form as the season starts to wrap up, but. Like you said, Zay, there's a lot of teams right now that are that are hoping to get playoff spots, and you know some of the teams that weren't even expected to be in contention for anything like that. So, a lot of coaches doing a good job early on here this season. So, um, with that being said, I think that will wrap up our show here. Uh, this has been the Posting Up podcast. I was joined, as always, by Sean Scanlon and King Zay. This is Lucas Bolduck from Clovercrest Media. Catch us Saturday at one. Peace. something about the game, the feel of the grass, smacking that ball all over the field, making plays, diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me, striking out grown men, watching their knees buckle on a call third strike, set out bud, and then of course, home runs, the base hits, the big, big home runs at the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story, a CMG podcast. <laughs>